Hebrews chapter 12, and then back in the one verse in the Judges chapter 8 and verse 4. So it's Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to read uh, from verse 1 through to 3, and then back in over into the book of Judges. Amen. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And over in the, uh, the book of Judges, Judges chapter 8 and verse 4. Judges chapter 8 and verse 4. And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over he and the 300 men that were with him, faint yet pursuing them. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we thank you for your presence, for the privilege of gathering around the Lord's table on this Lord's Day morning to remember Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the great work that you've done on Calvary's tree. And thank you, Lord, for the great work that you've done in each and every one of our lives that are saved by grace. Lord, we thank you this morning for the gathering of your people. We thank you for your presence among us. And as we come round your precious word, we ask for help, for our anointing. Lord, that you would speak this morning, Lord, to every heart and every life that's gathered into this place today. Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God would move on hearts this morning, even the hardest of heart. Lord, would be melted in your presence. Lord, for you say that the mountains would melt at your presence. Oh, God, this day, Lord, encourage the saints, strengthen them, Lord, with the power of your Spirit. Lord, open our ears, open our eyes, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, even for the weary soul, Lord, that weary life this morning, Lord, we pray that by your word you would quicken us. And Lord, that you would encourage us, oh God. Lord, looking on to Jesus, the author, and the finisher of our faith, we ask all these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may take your seats this morning. I want to speak just, uh, this is the final message. I keep saying that. I think I've said it four times. It's the final message on Gideon. And uh, this message this morning is a faith, a faith that pursues, a faith that pursues Gideon. Uh, and these 300 men that we looked at over several weeks, they come uh, to the Jordan. And here, uh, together as a unit, they pass over the Jordan, the 300 men that were with him. And the Bible tells us of these men, these men that they were faint, uh, they were weary, they were tired, but yet they pursued. There was a faith in their hearts, even though in the exterior they were weary, or they were tired, but yet they were able to pursue in this particular day. Sometimes, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, victory is not just seen in the fall of great giants or in the collapse of great walls 
or in the moving of great mountains. Sometimes the victory for the believer is simply that you've just carried on. That through the trials, through the storms, through the heartaches, and through the brokenness, and through the sickness, and through all the circumstances of life, somehow, some way, through it all, we have learned to trust in Jesus, and we've learned to trust in God. Some of the greatest victories in this life, and thank God for the giants when they come down. We believe that this morning. Thank God when the great shout goes up and the walls collapse around our Jerichos. And thank God for the times when the mountains are shifted and the great prison doors are opened and the chains are broken. But there is another victory that's just in the daily pursuit that regardless of what happens in our lives, regardless of the storms and the disappointments, regardless of the tears, regardless of going through some of the most darkest valleys, there's just something about that victory. There's something about the amazing grace of God that through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. But it's grace that's led us this far. And glory to God, it's grace that's going to bring us on home. You know, I've watched in my Christian life and some of the things that have uh, impressed me or encouraged me most are the things when I see in a life of struggles and agony and pain and that person themselves may not have thought that they were in the victory or walking in the victory, but they have impressed me the most when they somehow or another, there's still one foot in front of another. They still carry on. They're still faithful. They're still singing the songs of Zion. They're still lifting up the name of the Lord. They come in weak. They come in weary. They come in with sickness. They come in with trials. They come in with burdens that are unimaginable for me even to consider. But somehow or another, they still have the song of the Lord in their heart. I want to tell you, friends, that's as much a victory this morning as when the giant comes down. That's as much a victory as when the walls fall down. That's as much a victory this morning as when those mountains move. There's a victory when the saint of God somehow or another, even though they've been knocked over, they get up again and somehow by the grace of God, they just keep going on. That's a victory. And here we find a man, a group of men that are faint. They're, they're weary. That's what it means. They were weary in, even in this great victory that was happening this day. They'd become tired, but there was something of a faith that I believe is in every believer in this room this morning. There was something of that faith of God in their hearts that I'm going on that I'm going through, that I'm going to reach that mark, that I'm going to believe God against even all the odds. And I tell you, friends, I believe that that's the victory and that is the faith that will be in the church in these last days, a faith that pursues and a faith that goes on. We see that in this story, of, we've looked at it over several weeks, we see these 300 men uh, just in the previous chapter, chapter 7, they'd blown the trumpets, they'd broken the pitchers, uh, and they cried, uh, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And in that moment, in just obedience to the Lord, these group of men that God had gathered together, just in that moment as the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, suddenly, these men, suddenly we see 
that there was a fleeing of this great army. The Midianites who had tormented them, who had taken their harvest, who outnumbered them by tens of thousands, as, as they woke in that watch and they looked up on around them and they seen the lamps were shining and as those 300 men surrounded them in those three groups of 100 and the trumpets began to sound and the shout that went up, suddenly this great army were in confusion. The enemy was in confusion and they began to run and to flee. In Judges chapter 7, at this great moment as it begins to break out and the victory begins to dawn upon Gideon's army. It says there in verse 23 that the men of Israel gathered themselves together of, out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of all Manasseh and they pursued after the Midianites. When that victory broke out, suddenly the rest of Israel began to awaken and come at that time. In verse 24 it says, Gideon sent messengers throughout all of Mount Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianites and take before them the waters of Bethbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together, and they took the waters on the Bethbara and of Jordan. And here we see that Israel begins to enjoy the spoils of this great victory. Men began to awaken out of slumber and sleep. They began to see that victory was assured, that God was moving, and God wants everyone to be part of the great victory that there is in the these last days. And in the midst of this great revival, in the midst of this great move, we see even then, right at the point, we see that men would rise up even amongst their own ranks within Israel, and they began to become discontented. In chapter 8, as we turn into it, we see that the men of Ephraim who were called to the war, they came to Gideon. And they said, Why hast thou served us this? And why did you not call us when they went to fight with the Midianites? And suddenly, in the midst of this great move, we see that it was on the point even of a civil war then to break out amongst Israel. It's a very strange thing that in revival, in the move of the Spirit of God, that we all need to be so careful even in the early church, there was a dispute about the tables. The power of God was moving. People were being healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. So many were being added to the church. But then we see that very easily a dispute can easily break out. But we see again the heart and the humility of Gideon. Gideon wasn't fighting the fight for himself. Gideon was fighting this fight for the glory of God. And Ephraim turned and they began to be harsh. And it says they did chide with Gideon sharply. And he said unto them, What have I now done in comparison to you? Nobody was saying, Listen, you might have just come, but we have done nothing in comparison to what you have done. He made himself low and he lifted them up. And he says, You have taken these great generals of the Midianites. You have done much more than us. Why would you chide? Glory be to God that you have got a great victory for yourself. You know, it's so important in all the things that God is doing this day that we make ourselves very low and we lift him very high. That it isn't about us and it isn't about any name or any man or any church or any ministry, but it's all about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes and says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better 
than themselves. What a moment it was. No, Gideon could have turned around the Ephraim and said, what are you trying to say? It was God that spoke to me. It was God that told me. It was God that called me. It was God that sent me. And now you're coming and you're here, Johnny B. Lately, and you're starting to give up. But no, Gideon says, listen, Ephraim, you've done much more than us. Praise God. What are you complaining about? Glory be to Jesus. Friends, we have to be so careful when God begins to move to guard what we say regard what we do and how we act and interact even with one another. But you know, in the Bible, there are sometimes, there's no contradictions in the Bible. There's none. I hear men say there's contradict. There is no contradictions. There's not one contradiction in the Bible. But sometimes there's things that can stretch us to understand. Some, I would say, call them perplexing thoughts things that cause us to try to work out. And I want to, I want to step into this territory a little bit this morning. You can help me as I step into it. But, you know, I could preach a message this morning, and that message, that great message in Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, where the prophet comes and says to Jehoshaphat and the people of God that are up against a great battle and a great army, be not afraid or dismayed, for reason by the, the great multitude. I could preach this message this morning that the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's. Many people believe that. The battle is not yours. Praise the Lord. You'll not have to fight in this battle. The battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord. We believe that this morning. Then next Sunday, God willing, if God spurs us all, I could preach another message on 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. And this message is the words of Paul. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Well, last week we were saying that the battle is not ours. We have to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And this week, we're going to fight the good fight of faith. We're going to earnestly contend for the faith. You see, that might be a perplexing thing, maybe not for those who are mature in the faith or to understand that, but maybe for some of those that are just learning to walk and to trust in the Lord. One week I'm told to be stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, the battle's not mine. The next week the pastor's got us fighting everybody and everything that comes through the door. What am I supposed to do? Am I to stand still? Or am I to fight the good fight of faith? Anyone got an answer? Sometimes we have to stand still and wait on the Lord and know that He doesn't want us to fight this battle. And sometimes, sometimes we do have to earnestly contend and fight for the faith. But it's all in the finished work of the cross of Christ. See, on the cross, the Bible tells us in Colossians 2 and verse 14 that he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way. He nailed it to the cross. And he spoiled principalities and powers. And he made a show of them openly. And he triumphed over them in it. Thank God for the cross. He spoiled them all on Calvary's tree. Then Paul says that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling, even though he spoiled them, we are wrestling against principalities and powers. I don't know, I'm, I, I've, I have a literal mind, 
when I read something, I just read it as it is. It's a simple mind, not a complicated, but when I read that, I read it as it is. I know for sure through the cross that Jesus has defeated every principality and every power, and the church would say amen. But also I know that I'm in a daily battle with principalities and powers, but I thank God that we have the victory this morning. You see, it's all done, but it's bringing that victory into the reality of our daily walk and into our lives. I'm in a battle, but the victory is assured through Jesus Christ and Him alone. I need to get my eyes on the victory. I need to get my eyes on the cross. But sometimes, and I just want to speak to a few this morning, I believe, sometimes it seems that even maybe a little bit like Abraham, that there's like a horror of darkness has fallen over us. But we're saved and we love the Lord with the songs of Zion and with the victory in our hearts, but in our personal walk, it's like a horror of darkness can fall over our hearts and over our minds. And it seems as though like Abraham was fighting against the vultures to keep them off the sacrifice to keep them away, that you may experience the sweetness of the victory of Christ on the cross. It seems that the powers of hell and darkness are pressing in. There's a darkness that comes even over our minds and we come into the house of God and we're pursuing after righteousness and living for the Lord and believe in the victory of the cross and believe in the songs of Zion and believe in His Word. But it seems as though on an individual basis right down into that individual life that we're up against something. Something perhaps that you've never been through or experienced before like a darkness has come. There's a principality. There's a power that's working against us. Well, here's one of those moments, those times, like Gideon, they were faint on one side, but on the other side, they were pursuing. There was a weariness. There was a tiredness, but yet there was, there was also a pursuit the victories they had witnessed even up to this point were so sweet. You think about it, for years the Midianites had taken their crops, had destroyed them. They were, they were a people that were weakened through their backsliddenness and turning away from the Lord. And they were weakened, they were tired, and they were oppressed by the enemy. But now suddenly God has intervened by the power of the Spirit of God. And their enemies on the run. Their enemy is being chased by them. And the victory was, you could probably experience it and sense it in the air. The victory was so sweet as they seen this great army was like grasshoppers as they fled before them. The Bible tells us that one will chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight. This, this was one of those moments. What a victory this was. And then it came, in the midst of all of that, it came to Jordan. In the midst of that victory, you know, I want you to hear this this morning. They came to the Jordan. It says that Gideon came to Jordan and they passed over. You know, I just... Just these few words, and they passed over. 
and they passed over. They came down to this place, the Jordan, and it says that they passed over. We know that the Jordan is symbolic of of a, a number of things. One of the most clearest is, of course, is the final passage that we all will go through in life. I want you to listen to me this morning. It's the final, final passage of life when we pass over Jordan. It's when it, when it comes, if Christ does not come, then, then one day every one of us in this room, man, woman, every woman and man in this room, one day we're going to pass over. One day we're going to pass over. One day we're going to leave the scene of time, of seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years. But one day, listen carefully, one day we'll pass over. We'll face that final battle for the believer we can say, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Thank God we've got the victory this morning. One day, he'll take us by the hand and lead us to the promised land. What a day that's going to be. I tell you, friend, what a day that's going to be. One day we'll pass over. Listen, friend, this morning. One day we'll pass over. One day we'll pass over. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith I can see it afar. In the sweet by and by, we're going to meet on that beautiful shore. What a day that's going to be. What a day. There's a great passing over. You know, just a few, was it last night? I got mixed up in the days now, but it was last night. I think it was last night, or maybe the night before. You know, I know how to impress Nikki. We took a wee drive, and I took her to a graveyard. What a night out. We'll go a wee drive, we've got a wee coffee, and then, hey, do you want to hang out with me on a Saturday night? But there's one wee grave I wanted to see. It wasn't a wee grave. It was, big, it was a big headstone. Big headstone for a big man. Reverend Paisley. His headstone's nearly as large as the character. It's about four foot wide, about five foot high. The grass is all nice and neat. An 88-year-old man, born, born again. And on the headstone, they had his name and so forth. And then everyone knows this larger-than-life character, an MLA, an MP, an MEP, a Lord. I want to tell you something, all of that character, and I thank God I, I know he's in heaven, but all of that life and all of that character was all reduced down in the little patch of grass on a hill just outside Ballygown. So I want to tell you, friends, I want you to hear me. There's an awful lot of stuff. It doesn't matter what letters you have after your name, or it doesn't matter what you belong to and everything else. There's an awful lot of stuff, earthly stuff, you're not going to bring it with you when you pass over. 
A lot of things we're hanging on to. But see, when it comes to it, it's just a seven by two hole in the ground and you'll bring nothing, nothing of it with you. What you hold on to dear today and you see it all in this world, what they're holding on to, what they're grappling for, and even what Christians will hold on to dearly that have no eternal value at all. I'm going to tell you, friends, it doesn't matter what signs you have on your headstone. They were flying their flags. They had their collarettes. They had all their things all over the heads. I'm going to tell you something. None of it, not one bit of it, matters in eternity. See, one day you'll pass over. I want you to listen now. The final passage. But it's the horror of this thought. Like the rich man who died in Luke chapter 16. This is what it says. The rich man also died and he was buried. And here's the opening of verse 23. And in hell, in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torment. I want you to listen to me this morning. You're not saved in this room. Listen very carefully. You see, we'll all pass over. I tell you, for the believer, it doesn't really matter what to put on your headstone. The most important thing is that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Some headstones just have a wee vase and a wee flower. But you see, for the unbeliever, listen very carefully this morning. The rich man died and he was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. I tell you, friends, there's not one person in this room that Jesus wants to perish. But today, you give him your heart and you give him your life, you'll have an assurance and a peace that when that day comes, praise the Lord, it's victory for the believer. There's the passing over, but there's another sense of this passing over that I want to bring this morning. And it's a passing over for the believer even, even today. There's a passing over. There's a passing into or there's a going into a deeper place of intimacy with the Lord. And I, I want to encourage every believer this morning, every saint of God, I, I believe that we need to get closer to the Lord. We need to, we need to leave some things, you know, it, it might be comfortable to come to a time in our life where there's victories, where there's blessings, where we, we know the Lord's a hand upon our lives, but here in the midst of this victory, these 300 men uh, just came to that Jordan and knew that beyond that Jordan there was, there was an even greater victory for them to go. It might be the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it might be the fullness of the Spirit, it might be a deeper life experience with the Lord, but I want to, I want to make sure I say this this morning, for every single believer in this room this morning, I believe that there are waters, deeper waters for us to swim in. 
There, there's a deeper place for us uh, to go with the Lord. And I believe it's important uh, that, we all, that we all in the days in which we're living, knowing the hour in which we've come, that the Christian is ever closer to the Savior's side, ever closer to a place of communion and intimacy uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this passing over reminds us of uh, Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 when he sent the officers through uh, that great host and commanded the people and said, prepare your victuals. That means just make yourself ready. Get your provisions ready. For in three days we're going to pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land or you know, that possessing of the land is just a type of entering into a deeper place and possessing the things and the, the, the things that the Lord has purchased for us all in Calvary's tree. And here we see that they passed over and the, the word came forth that you have not passed this way before. In other words, there is a place that we can go to with the Lord that perhaps we have never experienced before. There is a place of, of, of a deeper intimacy. There is a place of a, of a prayer life and a walk with God. And, and as His Word is open to us and revelation comes, that, that you can go deeper with Jesus. You can have as much of Him as you want this morning. And in all of this, there was a desire for them uh, to pass over. And I believe with everything that we as a church, as a people, we want to go into a deeper place with the Lord. We want to meet Him. We need to meet Him in a deeper way. We need to know Him in a deeper way. We need to come into a place where the deadness is purged from us and the religiosity is purged out of us and the things of the natural man and doing it by our own strength. That those things are, are purged away, but there has to be a passing over a passing over. There has to be a, a going through with the Lord. For to go through or to go over, then there has to be some things that are, are left behind. You can't bring those stuff, those things with you. The things that you know that grieve the Lord, the things that are a hindrance in your life, perhaps not sin, but as we've read in Hebrews, lay aside the weights and the things that so easily, so easily, it's not a difficult thing, they so easily creep in even on unawares that hinder us from going over with the Lord. This morning, brothers and sisters, I believe that there are hearts in this room that are impregnated with the desire that the Spirit of God has been within them. I know there's a deeper place that I want to go to with the Lord. There's a place that I need to go to. There's a place that I must go to. I've been going along maybe for a few months and it's been maybe neither hot nor cold and doing the things that I'm supposed to do, but just over time and very subtly I've just become a little bit indifferent. And it isn't that there's sin in my life or there isn't anything that's dreadfully wrong, but somehow or another I just, I'm not in the place I used to be. But in your heart, you know you want to get close to the Lord. You, you want to leave just on one side. You've been blessed. You've had victories. We have been blessed as a people. God has blessed us. There's victories all around us. You're a victory. You're a trophy of God's grace and the blessing of the Lord's in your life. And we could very easily sell, I suppose, in some ways that God has blessed us as a people and we've come to a certain place and we've great facilities and wonderful people. But I want to tell you, friends, I believe there's a passing over. 
There's a deeper place of what God desires to do in this town and the towns around us and, and the world around us. There's a place where we need to get into with God. And it requires of men, these 300 men, it doesn't tell us anything of what was said amongst them, but there were still 300 there were still 300. No one had dropped out. No one had laid. There wasn't 30 or 40 saying, listen, let them do it. You know, we've had our bit. We've done our day. We've tasted the victory. The Midianites are away. We'll just, we'll just set up here. But there were still 300. There was still a unity. There was still a desire. And they're standing on the edge of the Jordan. And they're about to pass over. Listen, there's a couple of things about passing over. See, once you make the decision to go, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. See, once you say, this is it, I'm going to burn the bridges, drop the nets. This is it, I'm going all out for the Lord. And I believe there's some that have been standing on the shores of the Jordan and have been in some ways halting between two opinions for many a months and the Lord has dealt with you at certain times and you know what you need to do, what you must do, and you haven't done it. And in his mercy, he's coming and he's calling and he's speaking yet again. It's time to pass over. It's time to leave it all. It's time to pass over. Joshua said there's two things that need to happen. There needs to be a preparation and a sanctification. I tell you, brothers and sisters, in the days and the months that are ahead of us, I believe the most important thing for a believer is to be prepared and to be sanctified. That just simply really means to get rid of everything that would hinder or grieve a holy God. Get time with God in the Word and in communion and set yourself to seek the Lord because this world is going to change. We think it's already changed, but we have seen nothing yet to what it's going to do. Joshua said, sanctify yourselves, for the Lord will do wonders among you. It takes a faith to look beyond and to pass over. I don't know what your Jordan is. I don't know what you look at it and what you think it is, or the things perhaps that maybe are weights in your life. I believe today in your heart, if you just simply say, by the grace of God, I'm passing over. God will hear your cry, and God will give you the grace to go on. There's something about that moment. There's something about these 300. I do believe that their conversation was words of encouragement amongst them. Had to be. Because they're all tired. They were all weary. And there had to be an encouragement. Saints, could I say this this morning? The most important thing for the church of Jesus Christ, for the saints of God in these days, is make sure you're an encouragement to one another. Can I say that again? Make sure you're an encouragement. It's easy to pull the thing down, it's easy to find the faults. It's easy to let rip on someone. It's easy to do that. But I'm going to tell you, friends, see the mess it leaves, the heartache it leaves, the pain it leaves, the hurt it leaves, and sometimes the bitterness it brings. 
that can last even for years, let me tell you something. Make sure, if you're going to say it, make sure it's going to encourage someone. Anybody like to be encouraged? Nobody? My goodness. I want to encourage you this morning. Be an encouragement. Be an encouragement. Speak to people. You know, we're going to see people come through these doors over the next months into the cafe, into the bookshop, and I thank God for what it is down there, and it should be the same up here as well. But see, when you see a stranger coming in, could I, I tell you something? Go and make them feel welcome. Isn't that an amazing thing? A stra- Do you know what I was sure when we were talking about a stranger went into the church, sat in a seat, wasn't here. Thank God it wasn't here. I don't mean that in a prideful way. But somebody came along and says, that's my seat. You, you think about it. That's my seat. God help us. You can have my seat. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of broken lives, a lot of broken Christians, a lot of broken people are looking for a place they can come to. Someone's going to say, how you doing? Going to love them. Going to encourage them. If you see a stranger, and I'm not talking about everyone over trying to find out, who are you? Where are you from? And all I'm not trying to talk about being, I'm saying about just, just show the love of Christ. Do you speak, can you speak to everyone in this room? Let me just, Get down to the nitty-gritty. Down to the rubber hitting the road. Is that all right? Uh, have you any problems with anyone in this room that you, you're not, you would rather not speak to? God forgive you. I mean, this is kindergarten stuff. I'm not speaking to him. Well, she doesn't speak to me. I'm going to tell you, friends, we need to grow up. This goes on. If a stranger comes in, do we speak to them? Do we encourage them? Do we love them? I know we do. Listen, I want to say something. There's been so, several people have said to me in the last few months, we're really encouraged about the love there is in this church. I, I'm just saying we want to keep that. Do you understand? But we also have to make sure that in no way we ever allow the enemy in to bring schisms and divisions and all the stuff that goes on too many times in church life Brothers and sisters, if you're going to say something, make sure it's going to build someone up. It's going to encourage them. You know, it says in Proverbs that a foolish woman can tear her own house down. You can pull it down in an instant, but it could take months. It could take years. Does anybody know anyone that has got a hurt in the church and they've been away from the things of God for years? Oh, but they shouldn't have got hurt. They shouldn't be like that. I, I know, brothers and sisters, if you're going to say anything, make sure it's encouragement. Make sure you build each other up. This is not in my notes, by the way. I don't know where I'm going, but we need to, we need to pass over. We need to leave the foolishness. We need to leave those things behind. We need to leave. We want to pass over, don't we? We want to pass over into a new time of victory and blessing and encouragement and refreshment and healings and praise the Lord, salvation. 
We want to pass into a time where the love of God, when, the, when they look at us, they say, these people have been with Jesus. We know they're the followers of Christ. How do you know that? Because of a tremendous love one for another. Not because of their great gifts or talents, but because of how they interact with each other. They have a tremendous love in their hearts for each other. We want to pass over saints. We want to pass over. A lot of broken lives. A lot of broken people. A lot of, there's a hurting world. You know, I'll share a wee bit about it maybe tonight, but, you know, Nikki and I walked up the street there when we were away, and, and the next minute there's a whole commotion. There's a, a young girl... I would say maybe she's about 20, but she had the wee frame of someone who was maybe about 10. She had hardly any, her clothes was just practically nothing on, and she lay on the steps, a broken life, couldn't breathe, panic attacks, overcome by what we knew was just demonic forces. Couldn't talk, her hands screaming out, lying on the side of the road. We couldn't talk, obviously. We don't speak the language, and people were gathering around, and, and then one of the wee kids that had gathered around was trying to tell us what would happen to her and as a life of abuse and rape and molested and everything lying on the side of the road. Where is she brought? Friends, she's just one of many. Heard yesterday on Friday night in Bramishurn about a young 19-year-old from Bangor found dead in the streets of Belfast. I'm going to tell your friends, where are we going to bring them? Bring them into a house where there's bread, and there's love, there's encouragement, there's strength. Will you bring them to your home for a meal? Will you bless them? Friends, I believe we need the Passover. They were faint, and here's one of those perplexities. How can you be weary but yet have the faith to go on? Thank God it's his faith that causes us to go on. Faint, that means weary. And if I had a pound for every time I've heard someone said, I'm just tired. Don't know why it is, because I hear people say, I'm tired, but I haven't been doing anything. To be tired, that's what we say, isn't it? I'm tired, but I haven't been doing anything to be tired. I'm just tired. I want to tell you, friends, that there's a spiritual onslaught against the saints of God. The Bible tells us clearly the Antichrist, the spirit of that Antichrist, will wear out the saints of the Most High. This is a spiritual battle we're in. You get tired. Has anyone said in the last month, I'm just tired? I'm just, I don't know what it is. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired, maybe weary in my mind, or weary in my spirit, or weary in body, but I just feel a weariness. I don't really know what it is. Listen, friends, this morning. This is what our reading says. Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that is lay aside every weight the sin that so easily does beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let us look on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And verse 3 says, Now for consider, this is what I want you to do this morning, consider him. 
Just for a moment, consider him. Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Consider him lest you be, what does it say, wearied and you faint in your minds. In other words, what he wants us to do, he's saying just for a moment, get your eyes off your struggle. Get your eyes off what you're going through. Get your eyes off your weariness and your tiredness. Get your eyes off your circumstance. But he just wants us, the writer saying, I want you for a moment to lift up your eyes from all of that and consider him. Consider what he went through. Consider the, the shame and the suffering. Consider the rejection and the reviling. Consider that he was called a devil. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Consider that, that they rejected him. Consider him as he went into the garden of Gethsemane and as he went a little further and he fell on his face and there were sweat, uh, sweat drops of blood and the intensity of that hour in a metaphorical sense. The cup is presented to him of your sin and my sin and, and, and the writer saying, consider him this morning. Consider, the, consider what he went through for you and for me. Consider when he was arrested and brought before Pilate's judgment seat and he was beaten and they ripped the hairs from his face and they spat upon him and they led him over a rock and they plied his, his back like a field with that, with that whip. And consider him. Consider him when he was brought forward with the crown of thorns and the robe upon him and they chose Barabbas, a criminal, over Christ and they said, away with him. Consider him as they led him out of that great city beyond the boundary walls and up Golgotha's mount. Consider him as they led him on the, on the cross and drove the nails through his hand and lifted him up. Consider him this morning and praise God. We thank God that he's not on the cross or in the tomb, but he's alive this morning. The writer says, just consider the Lord for a moment. When you look to him, there is a faith that comes. There's a victory that comes. There is a faith that causes you to renew yourself in the Lord and say, by the grace of God, I'm going on. I'm going on and I'm going through. Your circumstances may not change. Your home life may not change. Your work life may not change. This society is going to wax worse and worse. This world's in turmoil. Governments are collapsing all over the world. You'll not find it on the BBC, but all over this world there's protest, there's turmoil, there's nation against nation. The mainstream won't tell you what's happening, but it's happening all over the world. The governments are collapsing, they're in turmoil, but I I want to tell you, friends, this morning, Christ is on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. He's in control of everything. The world is being shaken, but for us, we're looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. There is a fainting that many of us will experience. There's a tiredness that comes, sometimes a weariness, even in the battle. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory, He gives us the grace. Gideon's army pursued. That means they put the enemy to flight. Can I tell you, friends, this morning, I believe that we need to just pass over. Just leave the stuff. You know, when the Lord does the work, it's a beautiful work. Someone could tell you all day what you need to do. Do this, do that, do the other, leave there, leave that. But see when the Holy Spirit just touches your heart and says, Son, that's enough of that. Do you know what's easy when you say, oh Lord, I'm sorry. Here, take that away. I'm just going on. 
I'm just leaving that because I want to go over to that other side. Keep on. As they say, keep on keeping on. I know it sounds strange, but just keep on keeping on. The big giants may not have fallen. The mountains may not have moved. The big city walls may not have fallen down. But I tell you, saints, this morning, just keep on believing. Keep on trusting. Keep on singing. Keep on praising. Keep on looking on to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Get your eyes of your battle for a moment and consider what he's done. Oh, friends, this morning, consider him. Faith will come into your heart. Victory will come from the cross. Just keep on keeping on. We want to pass over, don't we? We want to pass over. Leave the stuff. Leave the stuff, friends. Just pass over. Those 300 men, I just think about things like this. It's just me. And I see them all standing there, and I see them tired. I mean, they must have been exhausted. They're chasing, what was 135,000 men? That's, that's chasing four boys in my house tires me out, but chasing 135,000 of them. And they must have been tired, standing on the edge. I believe their conversation was something like this. Will we go over? And I believe to a man, and I know to a man, they all said, let's go over. I want to go over that deeper place with the Lord. Do you? Amen. Let's pray together this morning. David, Jonathan, come. I'm going to sing that song, Through It All, I've Learned to Trust in Jesus. Learned to Trust in God. Father, this morning, we just pray, Lord, you would bless your word to hearts in this room, Lord. Lord, you know those that are struggling, that are faint, that are weary, that are tired. Lord, I just thank you that our hope and our strength is in you, Lord. Pray, Lord, you give them the grace to get our eyes off our struggles, but get our eyes upon you this morning. Lord, I just pray. Lord, I know you're just drawing us to that, that deeper place just to go over. Lord, it's not a physical thing. You don't want us to fight and get on, Lord, but you just want us to simply trust and surrender our lives afresh just to pass over into a deeper place of communion. Lord, help us to leave the things behind, the earthly things, the things that don't matter, the things that, Lord, in eternity, Lord, they'll not matter one thing. Nor so often we're clinging on to stuff that we think is important, Lord, the matter not one thing in eternity. But bring none of it with us, Lord. We just leave it all at your feet this morning. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to go on this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.